As your bishop, I am deeply saddened by the terrible and sinful incidents included in the statewide grand jury report. I sincerely apologize for the past sins and crimes committed by some members of the clergy. Abuse is abhorrent and has no place in the church. I want to assure you that we will learn from the report of the grand jury and use it to further improve our protections for children and young people. So they announced that they're going to set up a fund. It's not what survivors want. Survivors want their day in court. They deserve their day in court. And for all the survivors I've gotten the chance to know, um, literally the, the dozens, if not hundreds at this point across Pennsylvania that I've talked to, you know what? Not a single one has ever asked for a dollar. It's not really about the money. It's about having their day in court and being able to confront the person uh, or the individuals associated uh, with abusing them and holding them accountable. They deserve that. And so, my message to you is one of hope, that the work we are doing will ensure that our precious children are protected and that the sins of the few will not dilute your faith in our church today. The voices you heard were that of Bishop Alfred Schlert of the Diocese of Allentown and Pennsylvania's Attorney General, Josh Shapiro. Nearly a year ago, the Allentown Diocese, along with five other Catholic dioceses in the state, announced they would set up compensation funds for the victims of sexual abuse by priests. Officials said they'd pay for it by tapping available resources and selling diocese assets. My colleague found those assets, hundreds of millions of dollars of real estate, mostly untouched. That's this week on the Morning Call podcast. I'm Kayla Dwyer. So take me back to where this story begins for you, how this reporting got started. So this really goes back to the explosive grand jury report uh, released by the state in August of 2018. Final. To announce the results of a two-year grand jury investigation into widespread sexual abuse of children within the Catholic Church and the systematic cover-up by senior church officials in Pennsylvania and at the Vatican. It detailed more than 300 priests statewide who were accused of sexually abusing more than 1,000 children. Emily Opilo is an investigative reporter for The Morning Call. I reached her on vacation. In the wake of the report, a lot of people called on the state to extend or eliminate the statute of limitations and allow people to sue the various dioceses uh, retroactively, even if the statute of limitations had run out. Uh, Current law gives victims until age 30 to sue and until age 50 to pursue criminal charges. That's in Pennsylvania. But research shows that it often takes victims decades to confront what happened to them. Right. Um, Several pieces of legislation that would have opened up that process passed in the state house, but they died in the, the state Senate. There was really strong opposition to this, particularly from the Catholic lobby, who argued that this would bankrupt the church and that it was perhaps unconstitutional. 
So instead, what many dioceses have done is create these victims' compensation funds that give uh, victims a window to apply for compensation that would, um, you know, pay for their suffering, essentially. And once the window to apply closes, the diocese will then make offers to each victim to settle their claims. You can't get that settlement if you're suing the church, and you can't sue the church if you have received it. So uh, victims can choose to either accept or reject that offer then at the end of that process. So it's either try to get a payout or try to get your day in court. Yeah, exactly. Um, our story was sort of inspired by two things. The window for Allentown's fund was drawing to a close. It officially closed on September 30th. And we were also wondering how they were going to pay for it. Um, when the diocese announced that they were going to open the fund, they said they would need to sell assets. And that made us wonder exactly they, what exactly they owned and what they'd be willing to sell. And how do you even begin to figure that out? <laughs> it was quite a process. <laughs> <laughs> the title structure um, and sort of the problems that present was one of the things that popped up right away. Um, I started in Lehigh County uh, looking at records there where their system allows you to search by owner. So I punched in words like diocese and Catholic and virtually nothing was coming up and I was pretty perplexed by that. So I started working backwards looking up properties that I knew of like the diocese main office on Martin Luther King uh, Drive in Allentown and um, some of those churches that the diocese lists on their own website. And once I would find those, I would look at the adjoining properties on a parcel map um, that were, you know, some of those properties would be like parking lots or schools or rectories, you know, things that go with churches. And then I, I would work from there. And at one point I worked from an old leather-bound Catholic directory from the 80s to find properties that the diocese controlled then, but maybe don't own today. The whole thing was pretty complicated because Northampton County, which is the other half of you know the Lehigh Valley, um, doesn't let you search by owner at all. So I would work entirely from the parcel map. There's these like smart maps that these counties have. They keep them um, for assessment and tax purposes so they can keep track of what you owe. And you can click on a parcel and it opens up the record for that property and you can see what it's worth and what it's used for, that sort of thing. Are you telling me that you had to just click on every parcel on the, on this map and see who owned it? Yes. We found a ton of different title holders and... Um, Lots of these properties were in the names of bishops, which makes sense under canon law, which is church law. Um, the bishop is supposed to hold a property in trust um, for parishes and schools and that sort of thing. Um, but there was also lots and lots of property owned by former bishops, dead bishops, long dead archbishops of the Philadelphia Diocese. Um, Allentown used to be, Allentown Diocese used to be part of the Philadelphia Archdiocese until the 1960s when it was split off. And um, the people who own a lot of property, and there's a lot of them in Northampton County, have been dead, you know, since like the 1930s, which is kind of interesting. So you open up a parcel, you f see who the title uh, holder is, and then you look up to see whether that person is related to the church somehow. Right, right. So, you know, I would Google these random, I found a lot of random priest names. And some of them, you know, aren't top-level officials. Some of them just were, you know, the heads of these churches decades ago. And, mm. um, you know, it might have been when the church chose to, you know, move some property around, or maybe when there was like a, you know, new land was purchased, or maybe there was like a housing development being built next door and the church sold off a portion of what they had to that development. And then it'll just be in the name of the priest who happened to be there at that point. 
Um, the diocese says that all these title holders, you know, correspond to when the property was purchased and that all of these ex-officials are simply holding it in trust for these schools, parishes, etc. But um, I didn't find that to be super consistent. It, it was all over the map. It was really like whenever they made it a move of consequence, it might be in that pastor's name. So you find all these properties, you find that there's a lot of different names assigned to them. But what else do you see? Uh, you know, in all this data that makes it a story for you? Well, I started to see properties that were being moved into trusts. The diocese office on uh, MLK that I mentioned earlier, that was one of them. And another key property is the Bishop's Home, which is on Chew Street in West End Allentown. Both of those were moved into trusts and recently. And what do you mean by trusts? So trusts are a tool that we've seen other dioceses use um, to shield their assets. Um, In the Erie Diocese in particular, um, officials have just sort of been wholesale moving all of their property into trusts, and they would create one for each parish. Each parish would have its own charitable trust, and their assets would be moved into it. And the church there in Erie said that that was a project that they started long ago, you know, before the grand jury report, and they were just got around it, moving them right around the time of the report. Um, but the newspaper there has been tracking those movements and they've picked up on a real like burst of movement of properties into trust just before the report came out and just after. Um, the church argues that's a coincidence. Mm. So here in Allentown, unlike Erie, there, there are far fewer trusts. Um, you'll see, you know, a few that are in parish names here. St. Thomas More has one. And so does St. Catherine of Siena in Berks County. They happen to have done more recent real estate transactions. Um, but the trusts that the bishop moved property into are retirement plan trusts. And you'll often see trusts used in estate planning. They're a great tool for people who want privacy when they die. You know, Because right now, if you prepare a traditional will, that becomes public when you die. I can go look that up as a reporter in the Register of Wills. Um, and if you distribute your assets via a trust instead, that doesn't become public. And what I found from my research is that virtually nothing is public about these trusts except for real estate transactions, which is how we even know they exist. And that would be the deed transfers? Correct. Yeah. You could see these deed transfers the diocese did for those two properties I mentioned, the office on MLK and the bishop's home. And you could see them moving into the trusts. And there's a tax document that's attached to each one that shows how much they were conveyed for. It was a dollar for each one, which is well under market value for those properties. The MLK property is worth more than a million dollars. And then the Bishop's Home is worth about $580,000. Wow. But that's literally all we know. You know, I scoured public records looking for any other documents on these trusts. I, you can't find any. You don't know when they were created, except that they thought, thankfully, to put in the name that they were created in 2012. It says, like, the trust of 2012. And uh, you don't know who the trustees are who distribute the money. They're kind of mysteries. Why were the trusts something to be interested in? Well, once I found those trusts, I knew I had some kind of story, and that's because of the timing of those moves that makes them newsworthy, really. They they coincide with when it became clear that the statewide grand jury report was going to be released publicly. Hmm. The diocese moved those properties in December 2017 and April 2018, and the report was out by August of 2018, so just a few months later. And this was a two-year investigation? It was. So they knew that the investigation was going on as of 2016 when it started Mm. and because people were being subpoenaed. 
Um, and, you know, they also knew it was about to come out. They would have had the report in hand um, well before August because as a subject of the investigation, they were allowed to review it before it was released publicly. So you figured out whose name is on what, where certain properties' sales went, but why does it actually matter how the diocese stores its property? Right. It sounds kind of wonky, but it really matters if the church becomes financially insolvent, which is what we've seen happening at dioceses all over the country. There are at least 18 churches and religious organizations that have already declared bankruptcy, Catholic dioceses specifically. And most of them are to deal with these bills that have come in from victims of pre-sexual abuse. Um, Many people have sued the diocese and those dioceses owe often multi-million dollar judgments to these people. So if a church is a diocese is to declare bankruptcy, they put all of their assets on the table. They have to say up front, here's what we have. That's cash on hand, any kind of special funds that they have, and these properties. And a bankruptcy judge looks at all of that, and both sides argue about what should be included. And eventually what's left is divided among the church's creditors. And in this case, that would be victims of abuse. So it's in a victim's interest to make that pot as big as possible because then their individual share would be larger once it's divided among all of the victims. And it's in a diocese interest to make that pot as small as possible, which is what we've seen them attempt to do in other cases, you know, all over the country in these bankruptcy cases. And one way to minimize that pot of assets is to keep them in the names of parishes and schools and all over in different locations and and many different title holders that can slow down the processes of a bankruptcy. And Allentown Diocese is separately incorporated. That is a term I do not know. (laughs) (laughs) It's a term I learned a lot about. So there's two major diocese structures in America. There's like sort of this corporation soul, which is like a super top-down structure. That's not what Allentown has. Really only old, old dioceses. Um, have that that structure. Um, Allentown is separately incorporated. So think of like corporate America and big businesses, right? You have the diocese is one big umbrella over all of its holdings, and then you have separate parts underneath, and they may have their own corporate names and corporate existence, um, even though they are under that larger umbrella. And in this case, those are those parishes. Those parishes don't exist without the diocese. The diocese controls how they spend their money, In many cases, it holds some of their property explicitly, even in the bishop's name, like their parking lots or their churches or their their schools, that sort of thing. And it can say when a church must close, which we've seen a lot of in the last decade or so around here in the Lehigh Valley. But under bankruptcy law, there's a provision where you can't force your component parts of a business, those separate corporations, to go bankrupt along with you. And that has been a good protection for dioceses, you know, when they've gone bankrupt so far, these like 18 or so dioceses that have gone bankrupt. Creditors haven't had much luck getting at that property, putting that property in the big pot if it's being held in the names of those parishes, because you can argue that you're sort of bankrupting the parish along with you. Mm. And I should note that the Allentown Diocese has issued, you know, a couple of strongly worded rebuttals to the story. Um, saying that they did not design their property title structure intentionally that way to thwart creditors or victims or anything of that sort. And because of the the complicated thing you just explained, it seems like there's disagreement over 
who actually owns what. There is, yes. Um, the the diocese originally, whenever we spoke to them about um, these properties and you know the various different title holders, um, they explained that they hold these properties in trust, which is separate than the trust that we just talked about. That's more of a, a church term. Um, they hold them in trust for these schools and for these parishes. Um, they've argued since the story ran that they they don't own these properties at all. That the parish property is not even owned by them. Mm. Same with school property. So then what's the total value of all that we would be talking about here? By our calculation, it's about, it's a little over $300 million that they own just in Lehigh, Northampton County. That does not include Schuylkill County, Carbon County, or Berks County, which make up the other three counties in the Allentown Diocese. It was just too big of a project to take on to try to calculate all of the, the property that they own there. But I did, you know, do cursory looks at it. And every county is sort of stored differently. Berks counties are much more organized than everybody else's. Schuylkill counties are more like Northampton counties and kind of a mess and in a, a lot of different title holders. And there's there is definitely a lot of property that we have not been able to count yet. Mm. The diocese says they have an inventory of everything they own, but they have not calculated its value in total. A quick note here. What the diocese has said about the property on its books, which they said in response to this article, is that nearly all of it is actually owned by the parishes. And under church law, if a parish property is sold, the money has to stay within the parish. In other words, the diocese is saying that its hands are tied that it wouldn't be allowed to put the proceeds of any parish parcels into the victim's fund. Back to Emily. So what of these properties has the diocese sold recently? And how can you tell what the diocese actually does with the money it might take from a transfer? Well, they did sell um, a couple of properties that they disclosed to us, some of which you could see in public records. Um, We found most of them along the way. They uh, sold like a vacant property in uh, Hanover Township, Northampton County. That's like about 10 acres. Um, They sold a a condo that was formerly a residence. That was about a $180,000 transaction. And they sold a former tribunal building on 17th Street in Allentown. That's another $200,000 transaction. But in ter- And I can see these things happening um, in terms of the deed transfers. You can look those up. They're public record with the county. Um, but as far as what they do with the money, you, you can't tell. Um, we have to rely on the diocese to tell us that. And attach the deed transfers... Um, there's like a tax document, you know, that, that's attached to it. And that'll tell you how much a property was conveyed for. Um, but the diocese is a private organization and this isn't, you know, government like I'm typically used to reporting on. They operate like a business and what they do with their money is, is done in secret primarily. So have they told you? They did disclose where some of the money will go when asked. Um, the proceeds of those those four properties that I mentioned earlier that they have sold recently um, will go to the victim's fund. Um, in addition to the ones that I mentioned, there's a pretty big 100-acre-plus tract in Berks County that they sold. In total, from the properties that they've acknowledged selling, that would bring in about $1.6 million to them. Mm. They've maintained that parish money will not be used for the Victims Fund, and we know that that money um, from some of their larger sales in the past is not going to the fund either. 
the diocese sold the land where Hamilton Crossings is now. That's that shopping center with the new Whole Foods in Lower Mukunji Township. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they sold that for $13.7 million several years ago, and that money was all earmarked for different things. It's not being used for the victim's fund. So the victim's window to file claims has closed. The diocese has said it has earmarked millions for this fund. Have there been any clues as to a timeline of when people will receive payments or when those funds will move? We don't have much of an idea on timeline. Um, Before the fund closed, we were told the diocese would give a report only after it closed. Um, On the day it closed, I spoke to um, the diocese spokesperson and we were told that the diocese would give a report only after all the claims have been assessed, offers for payouts have been made, and uh, after victims decline or accept those offers. Other dioceses across the state have um, released the number of applicants to their funds. The Pittsburgh Diocese, for example, said last week that they had 367 applicants. Um, That hasn't been disclosed here in Allentown. Um, For the purpose of the story, um, Matt Kerr, the diocese spokesperson, has just acknowledged that they are expecting to spend millions of dollars. How much can victims ask for? And in order to ask, do they have to be named in the report? Um, you don't have to have been named in the grand jury report to file a claim, and neither does the priest who abused you. Um, but they are assessing each claim individually, and I imagine that the credibility of, of what you are claiming happened to you will be part of that. And it might be easier to make that case if your priest was named in the report. Um, a custom compensation offer is going to be made for each victim, according to what the information that the diocese has put out. And that's decided by independent administrators. And that's a D.C. law firm. These two lawyers named Kenneth Feinberg and Camille Biros. And um, it's a firm that, uh, that is also controlling the Pittsburgh Fund and some of these other funds. They specialize in this kind of work. So we don't know exactly yet how much money is going to go into the fund and where it's going to come from. But Have you gotten any hints about what the diocese plans are for those properties, those very large vacant properties that you've mentioned? Right. There's a couple of really key large tracts that the diocese owns that are undeveloped. And those are the properties that they say they're concentrating on selling vacant land, things that they aren't using right now. Um, And one of those big ones is this big 52-acre piece of property that's on the market, and that's um, just across 222 from Hamilton Crossings, the same shopping center they mentioned earlier. Um, It's all part of – originally they purchased a huge swath of land down there um, with the intention of putting Resurrection Cemetery on it. They did build Resurrection Cemetery, but it's it's pretty small um, compared to the amount of land that they bought. So they've broken up all of those other pieces and, and have sold them off. And that 52-acre piece is one of the biggest ones left. And they're asking $10.8 million for that. It's on the market right now. It has uh, a real estate agent attached to it um, and you know, has not been sold yet to my knowledge. Um, another big piece is this equally valuable location, maybe more valuable, honestly. It's a 118 acres in Center Valley on Flint Hill Road. And that's under agreement of sale right now with Tuscus Homes. So it's going to be divided up. It's zoned for housing, um, which we've seen a lot of construction like that in Center Valley. And you know, those places are pretty valuable. It's a, a desirable place to live in the valley. 
And the county values that property just over a million dollars, but common sense will tell you it's it's worth a lot more if it's going to be divided into homes. Mm-hmm. I did talk to several realtors for this story, and no one could quite put a finger on exactly what it will be worth if it's subdivided for that purpose. It depends on the lot size and the setbacks and the easements that go through that property. So um, we won't really know um, how much that deal is worth until that transaction clears. The diocese was not willing to disclose uh, what the, the sale price was for that land. So if they are able to sell those two properties that and get you know what we think is market value for them, um, that would go a long way toward funding the victim's compensation fund. You can read Emily's full report and a list of which Allentown Diocese real estate is and is not for sale at themorningcall.com. There you can also read the diocese op-ed response to our reporting. Bishop Schlert of the Allentown Diocese declined to be interviewed for Emily's story. This has been the Morning Call podcast. I'm your host, Kayla Dwyer. Thanks for listening.